Welcome to Brit Happens. I'm your host, Brittany Sharpton. I think that we have to take a time out and put the remote control down, turn off the noise, and really focus on what your role is in picking leaders. Picking leaders is one of the most quintessential, important things that you can do as a citizen, locally, as a city, or the county. Engaged citizens can push good people to pursue policies and initiatives that are in the best interest, not only of the district that they represent, but in general. Even though you may live in a particular district, it's very important that every citizen have an engaging awareness as to what happens on a countywide basis. County Commission is responsible not only for legislating and writing ordinances, but developing policy as it relates to our public health facilities, um, seaport, airport, and regulating public utilities, whether to issue bonds or not to issue bonds for major long-term projects, and making decisions on our land use footprint and a comprehensive development master plan. Well, thank you again, Marlon, for joining me in the Brit Happen studio. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. (laughs) I'm really, really excited, obviously. So, Marlon, those who don't have the pleasure of knowing you, who may be listening outside of South Florida, can you give us a 60 to 90 second summary of who is Marlon Hill? Who is Marlon Hill? So Marlon Hill is that little skinny kid that came here from Jamaica. I was 14 years old. My mom was the last of three sisters to migrate here. And we came into South Miami, South Miami Heights. Transition was very difficult. But Miami Southridge Senior High School welcomed me in South Miami Dade County. I learned very early on the value of a good dollar. During high school, I worked at Chick-fil-A and Sears Roebuck, where I learned the best about customer service and interacting with people in the business as a young person. You know, Miami Southridge was a very nurturing environment, very diverse school. So I went off to college at Florida State, got a partial scholarship and studied international business and finance. You know, from a long time before college, I had an insatiable appetite for international affairs and geography. And I was one of those kids that used to leaf through the pages of the Encyclopedia Britannica. I used to transport myself (laughs) to these faraway places, always wanted to learn about different cultures and languages. And came back to Miami after school and that brings me back home here in Miami. So you earned your business, international studies, and law degree in Tallahassee at Florida State. Full. I'm a double null through and through. Garnet and gold (laughs) is is flowing through my veins and uh, while I was at Florida State I went off to school in Costa Rica for a little bit and lived with a family, didn't know any English. I knew some Spanish because I had a minor in Spanish. And that was a great experience being in Costa Rica. You know, the people that look like me in Costa Rica are of Jamaican descent. But so they're Costa Rican, but they're Jamaican descent. When Jamaicans went there generations before to work on the banana plantations and the railroads. I was going to ask, because I didn't know the backstory of how you became fluent in Espanol. So this was an immersion program. Yeah, it was. And Florida State had a relationship with the University of Universidad de Costa Rica, mm-hmm. and but before that, I, I went to a, a little-known Black History fact, Marlon Hill. I went to a Jesuit high school in Jamaica, which is okay. over 270 years old, and the Jesuits have a tradition of always teaching second languages. So I was I learned Spanish. 
from a very early age. And then when I came to Miami, I continued learning at South Miami, um, at Miami Southridge, continued learning Spanish. I figured, you know, let me continue. So I minored in Spanish at FSU. So you were at the Berlin in Costa Rica? No, uh, in Jamaica. In Jamaica, in Jamaica right. Jamaica, so the right. Berlin, okay. yeah, you know, Berlin, the school is called St. George's College. Okay. And many of the teachers were Jesuits. And of course, you have to learn the our father in Spanish and nobody father, all of that stuff <laughs> in Spanish. And so they were pretty diligent Stri- about, yeah. strict about you learning a second language. But it was a great asset for me. I didn't mm-hmm. really know how valuable it would have been coming back to Miami. I didn't really think about it in that way. But when I came home and when you turn on the radio or you turn on the TV and you're watching Telemundo or Univision, you can at least have a sense or if you're in the supermarket line right. or at the courthouse and you hear something in the background it, it just makes you a little bit more sensitive to people who can't speak another language including English and what do they hear mm-hmm. and what can they understand or not understand for me it kind of raised what I call my level of cultural competency for to sure. be able to if not fluently sometimes mm-hmm. but just to be able to converse right. and to interact with people can make a difference. And I'm sure it's a huge competitive advantage professionally as well. In absolutely, this absolutely. Yeah. In fact, I do believe that our kids, especially kids of color, you know, parents should be very diligent about trying to expose them to a second language. You know, whether it's Mandarin, French, Creole, Spanish, but especially here in Miami, where mm-hmm. the population is well over 55, 60 percent foreign-born of different languages, you cannot fully be competitive in this environment without having some familiarity with a second language. And some people push back on that and some people adjust to it. It just depends on your level of openness to be in that environment. It can be challenging for some, but it's it's the reality here in Miami, the the county that's almost separated apart from the state of Florida. Right, we're like our own... Country, country. Our own little world. Our own little world. world. Our own little world. So, Marlon, how did you become interested in... You're an attorney, Mm -hmm. and how did you become, I guess, introduced or interested and decide to pursue this as a career? Well, you know, law wasn't what really wasn't my first choice. I thought I was going to end up in some sort of international finance or business career, and a law professor at Florida State was the one that convinced me to continue into law school because he thought that it would create and open more doors for me. And I'm glad he did because when you are 26, 25 years old, you think you know a lot, but you really don't. I think law school was a good bridge for me to open a world of knowledge of other things. And so there went the international business and finance degree, finance career. And I came back home to Miami. I didn't have a job, actually, mm-hmm. when I came back from law school. So I worked part-time at the immigration court. Okay. And I worked part-time at the Florida International University's Summit of the Americas Center. Okay. This was just right after the Summit of the Americas was held here when President Clinton invited the, all the heads of state to meet here uh, at Vizcaya. So I was helping FIU to study international trade and customs law, very complicated stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and, but then I got a chance opportunity to work with a law firm in Coconut Grove by the name of Adorno and Zeter, and that law firm really uh, began my, my, my legal career. So, all right, you're obviously decorated with accomplishments tons of professional and civic accolades from being honored in the inaugural class at the Miami Fellows in 1999. You serve as a board member on the Parking Authority, the Orange Bowl, the Book Fair, and I'm sure tons other. So how did, and you told me about this, I said this together, United Way. United Way, was that your first project for you to bridge your professional 
in your civic career? Yeah, you know, so when I came back from when I came back from school in Tallahassee, and we all go through this experience, right? Our parents send us to you know public private school, and they send us off into the wide, wild west of the world to get our degrees or to whatever our choice um, of schooling after high school, right? And then the hope is that kids will come back home, but not everyone comes back home. But when you do, you are seven years away, five years away, maybe ten years away. Mm-hmm. How do you reintroduce yourself back to Miami? Because the person that you were when you're 18 is a different person when you come back when you're 25. So for me, when I came back, I did not waste any time trying to reacclimate myself mm-hmm. into Miami and to figure out how was the city wired to welcome someone like me, young African-American lawyer of Jamaican descent, bright eye, bushy tail, <laughs> armed with a law degree. Where does he fit into this Miami-Dade County? I'm happy that you mentioned that because brain drain is a huge issue here, trying to entice locals to come back. So what was it that attracted you back to South Florida and obviously you stayed? You know, what is there not to like about Miami, right? You know what I mean? There's just so much passion and energy here and so much to learn from different people of different backgrounds. The weather is phenomenal, very entrepreneurial city. What I've learned about Miami is nothing is is fixated in place that could not be disrupted. You just have to want to be the disruptor and to step into the gap. You know, there are numerous opportunities for any young person or any young professional to to step into leadership and I found that very um, evident it was evident to me when I was here so the law firm that I was with they were very active in the community one of the largest minority owned law firms at the time and they encouraged employees, staff, the persons in the mailroom, the secretaries, the paralegals, and the attorneys to donate a percentage of their check to support United Way activities. So we okay. coordinated and met with each other to discuss what were the challenges happening in Miami at that time and who are we going to donate to. So as a young lawyer, I stepped up to help to manage that process. We had a charitable trust. So with that, I had the opportunity to serve as a spokesperson as a part of the United Way's Young Leaders Program to be a spokesperson for the United Way, encouraging other companies to start their own United Way campaign. And that was really the entree for me to kind of meet people in Medley and Hialeah and Opalaka and all of these nooks and crannies of Miami that sometimes we drive by. Right on our way to our little cubby holes, right? Where we're comfortable. We all, yeah, where we're comfortable. Mm-hmm. So this experience at United Way really just expanded boundaries for me. And it was just a, a phenomenal experience as a young lawyer, practicing and also contributing um, to the community. So speaking of boundaries, next year in 2020 is an extremely exciting year, not only for us nationally, but us here locally in Miami-Dade County. And Marlon is here to run for the District 9 seat, who that seat has had the same commissioner since I was eight years old. So this is super exciting. I personally am excited about the shakeup, some potentially fresh new blood, and hopefully some visionaries for our city. Right. Well, you know, as they, as they say, you know, sometimes, you know, Brit happens, right? You know, so <laughs> the law has changed quite a bit in terms of our charter, right? So Miami-Dade County has a home rule charter that sometimes the voters change the, the how we're governed, right? Mm-hmm. So we've been, we've been incorporated as a county since 1957, and we, we used to have the county manager verse 
version of the government mm-hmm. um, where you have the county manager and then you have a ceremonial mayor that changed in 2007 so we now have a strong mayor form of government and in, in 1992 the law also changed where instead of electing county commissioners at large we now elect them by single member districts mm-hmm. so we have a strong mayor who also is a CEO and a manager of the county then we have 13 county commissioners in 2012 the law changed again requiring term limits where a commissioner can only serve two terms of four years mm-hmm. so the current commissioners are now being staggered off so the opportunity opened you know i've been working in this community in, in various community leadership roles whether it be immigration advocacy whether it be small business support for small businesses opportunities for small businesses or in healthcare with breast cancer awareness so the current commissioner Tennessee moss who has served so ably and honorably for 26 years, mm-hmm. it's going to be term limited next year. So the opportunity came about for the leadership gap in that district. So I grew up there since 1985. So I said, why not? Many people are saying, and I was saying, why not you, me? Why right. not you? Why not now? If not now, um, when? So that election is coming up in 2020. Next year's election in 2020 is such a very important year for everyone to pay attention to, not just at the presidential level, but all the way down to the municipal level and even with judges. Mm -hmm. And it's very important that we start focusing on that. So District 9 is in southwest Miami-Dade County. The South Dade area, in my opinion, is a bit disconnected internally. For that reason, we are neglected externally. And I always think that in order to achieve big things in any community, you mm-hmm. need all voices at the table. Right. And so if a community is disconnected or not on the same page, they can't really speak mm-hmm. in a louder voice. And that's one of the reasons why I'm running is to make us more connected and not neglected at all right. as it relates to many challenges that we have. And you mentioned how the law changes and now we vote by district. What message do you have for people who are saying, hey, I don't live down south, I'm not affected by this, this is District 9, and they want to distance themselves from the participating in this process? Yeah, that's a great question, Britt. I mean, we live in a sprawling metropolis that is one of the most dynamic metropolis communities in the world. You know, 2.8 million people, $9 billion budget. It's the largest of the 67 counties in the state of Florida. The economy is larger than some countries Mm -hmm. in this world. And for that reason, the county commission and the mayor's office make big decisions on issues, right? Even though you may live in a particular district, it's very important that every citizen have an engaging awareness as to what happens on a countywide basis. You know, a county commissioner is responsible for not only for legislating and writing ordinances, Mm -hmm. but developing policy as it relates to our public health facilities, um, seaport, airport, regulations regulating public utilities, mm-hmm. whether to issue bonds or not to issue bonds for major long-term projects, making decisions on our land use footprint and a comprehensive development master plan. These are some big issues mm-hmm. that the county commission is responsible for. So even though a particular commissioner, which mm-hmm. I am aspiring to be one of the 13, may be responsible for a particular district, in my case, Southwest Miami-Dade County, which is the southwest quadrant of the county, down in deep south, Dade, south of Tamiami Airport. Mm-hmm. We are going to be working together with other commissioners to address very important issues, right? So every citizen who's a registered voter, they need to know if they live in an unincorporated area or they live in a city. Even if they live in a city, mm-hmm. a county commissioner still makes decisions that impacts them. Right, and you can go online and figure out, type in your address and see who is your commissioner. That's baseline. Well, baseline, right. for sure. You need to know <laughs> right. on every refrigerator, mm-hmm. or it could be your mirror or wherever your main <laughs> center point of information in your home, you should have a speed dial list. 
in the governor's office, who's your state representative, who's your state senator, who's mm -hmm. your congresswoman or congressman, who is your city mayor if you live in a city, city councilman, and then who's your county commissioner because all those roles mm -hmm. have different a jurisdiction over different things, right. right? But you need to be in touch with those people. And it's my sense over the years that our community tends to be a little bit more reactive than proactive. For and sure. whenever something happens like a hurricane or a storm, we then rally around each other. And we can't wait for that, mm -hmm. in my opinion. I learned very early on as a new immigrant with my mom traveling and being here in this new country that having a support system mm -hmm. is critical to your acclimation into any new community, even if you move from another state or you move from another country. And one of the reasons why I'm also running is to kind of help communities to become more resilient. Mm -hmm. Resilient meaning having access to the information and resources necessary to make the decisions that they need mm -hmm. for their own families and their own businesses whenever they need to, right? right? And to do that, county commissioner, in my opinion, is supposed to create that type of environment where it's a business person or a mom or dad or a caregiver knows what the relationship with government ought to be. Exactly, what it's supposed, supposed to, to be. be. As right. right, right. In advance, right? right? So navigating the school system, what resources can you find for your small business? Where do you have programs in the park system mm -hmm. for your kids? How to meet the needs of our grandparents and have them lead healthy, high level of quality of life. These are things that government is involved with and things that we already pay for. Right. Do we need extended hours in our library system. Mm -hmm. um, these are important things that citizens can push for, or other people will push for what they want over what you need. And then closed mouths don't get fed. Exactly. So I know that everyone probably has all these promises they may be making or suggestions. What would you say or maybe one or two of your visions on your vision board that you think would be easiest to implement? Not easiest, but most realistic, rather. I do believe that we have to actively pursue a long-term economic development plan um, in South Dade. It's so important that more people live in South Dade than they work in South Dade. And there are huge opportunities there for us to kind of create, to see what the strengths are of the area for the types of jobs that people could potentially pursue. Agricultural industry is extraordinary. Mm -hmm. There may be innovative opportunities there. You have the Air Force Base, the land that's around the Air Force Base. There are opportunities there. So we've got to take a look at that because folks are driving out of South Dade rather than staying there to work and to be near to their kids, driving an hour to two and a half hours to get to a place of employment right. in the central part of the county or on the coastline. So a long-term economic development plan. I do believe that we also need to take a look. We are now in the middle of an attainable, or some people call it an affordable housing crisis, mm -hmm. and we have to figure out how we can get folks to achieve the American dream mm -hmm. without being into bankruptcy or creating right. other issues. We're spending too much money on housing and transportation, and not everyone is independently wealthy, and we have to figure out a way how to keep more money in the pockets of families so that mm -hmm. they can make other decisions for the advancement of their families. Agreed. And you mentioned earlier about being disconnected, and I took that as not only physically, because I want to talk about transportation, which I think is huge, particularly in your district and in the county as a whole, and also, I guess, uh, well, we'll start there. What You know, Britt, it's the bane of our existence. Mm -hmm. you know, transportation and mobility is, if you, you can't speak to any industry professional or business leader 
or a person in the community without transportation and mobility being at the top of the list of our frustrations. And <laughs> at some point as a community, uh, as we go back to our little silos and our, where we're comfortable, we're going to have to make a decision when, when are we going to come out to really address big moonshot issues together. So what I mean by disconnected is that Miami professes to be this cross-cultural, multicultural potpourri of a mixture of folks, but we tend to really slip back into our little pockets and we have to push back against mm-hmm. that, in my opinion. I've never been one to be comfortable in my own little world of my own culture or heritage or the color of my skin or where I worship. I've always been very proactive in inserting myself into all the pockets of Miami. I think that is I think one of the tenets of success in Miami. You have to be willing to step outside of your comfort zone and to go into communities and go into boardrooms mm-hmm. or any room that you may believe you are not welcome. You have to actually make yourself welcome. Whether you know you habla español or pale creole or whatever, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. You gotta have a sense of of place. And so when we talk about the fact that we're disconnected Florida City is so far away from Country Walk, or Country Walk does not really interact with Richmond Heights. Mm-hmm. You know, this type of comfortable, invisible barriers that we put up, we have to be very careful of self-segregating and only congregating right. when Brit happens. Absolutely. I'm happy that you mentioned that because a lot of times people will complain about And I'm not saying it's not an issue. Inclusion and diversity, which is obviously an issue, but they are being more reactive versus proactive. Sometimes you have to, like you said, interject yourself. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times the segregation is in your mind. You think that you're not welcome, so you begin not to, I guess, go into certain rooms or boardrooms like you mentioned, and then that's just a, I guess, self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, maybe we don't have the answer today. What suggest? Well, the answer, the the answer, they're not necessarily answers. You know, the the recommendation is that you, when you're going to travel somewhere that you are unfamiliar with, what do we do? We pick up our smartphone, we open the map app, Mm -hmm. you know, Waze or whatever, Google Maps, and we put in an address so that we can have a, a sense of navigation where... And you know, sometimes when the GPS tells you 25 minutes or 22 minutes, so you have a choice of how to get to the same right. place, right? right? Whether in the same time. Mm-hmm. Living in Miami, I believe is the same way, right? You need to learn about where you need to navigate and be familiar with your surroundings because you could go from a street into a name street. And that type of fearlessness mm-hmm. and that type of courage or that type of vulnerability feeling you know when you are going to a new job or a new environment we all get the sweaty palms and this apprehension of should i go how they're going to treat me that fear is the barrier to success in my opinion Mm -hmm. in miami right and then i'm talking about big things Mm -hmm. and small things small things could be even socially in terms of relationships right right who you may or may not date or or who you're going to worship with or not worship with. Mm-hmm. And those relationships, in my opinion, translate into political engagement and, more importantly, business relationships. For sure. Right? So these invisible bars, I believe, exist in and around Miami in many places. Mm-hmm. And I'm convinced that through the work that I do and mm-hmm. how I conduct myself and how I make decisions as to where I go and engage is 
just an instrument or an example of how to remove those invisible barriers. And so one of the reasons why I'm running for the county commission is just a different platform for me to do what I've been doing. Mm -hmm. And so when I say that South Miami-Dade County and District 9 is disconnected internally, this is what I mean, that these invisible barriers must be removed if the community is going to ask for things that they have shared challenges and they have shared dreams. The only way for those shared challenges and dreams to be accomplished is that the invisible barriers, if not removed, mm -hmm. need to be perforated so right. you can peek through and go, oh, okay, that's why Gould and Naranjo is struggling with that. Mm -hmm. Now I understand, as opposed to these blindfolds that we put up, that is a huge issue towards inter-community mm -hmm. success. Which brings me, because I was also going to ask how you intend to work with your neighboring... County Commission District. Right, because that's important. Yeah. It's a two-way street. So do you have you know, any thoughts well, on yeah. Well, we have to... We live in a sunshine state where the communication between elected officials happens in the sunshine, right? Mm -hmm. So all our county commission meetings and committees, one-on-one -on -one meetings have to be out in the sunshine. So you can get copies of minutes. You can right. be present. And I think that's a good thing, right? So... You know, District 8 and District 9 and maybe even District 11 out there in West Kendall, we share a geographic space. Mm -hmm. But there are big issues that impact the entire county that the county commission, in conjunction with whoever has the honor of occupying the 29th floor as mayor, will have to work on to move this county forward. Right. Right. Moving the needle. And the challenges are numerous. And the pool of funds is limited. <laughs> because it's you know property taxes and then you have the fees that come from various locations. We are right now, as we speak, going through the budget process, which mm -hmm. is an important thing for citizens to recognize. So I believe that there has to be open communication. Mm -hmm. Some things you will have to compromise on in order to gather consensus. I believe in base hits okay. as opposed to home runs, you know, because even though you may have a vision and pursue home runs, Sometimes you need to be focused on improving things incrementally, and base hits can come Moving into our home, right, right? To home base, right? That's better than sitting in the dugout. Uh, exactly. I mean, doing exactly. nothing. <laughs> so, Cursing at the ref. Right. right. And, Do something. Yeah. Do something. Which which happens often. So, are you really active on social media? Speaking of people who. My pet peeve are people who just whine, whine, whine without at least a proposal for a solution. It may not. Yeah, you know. I'm definitely not one of the whiners. I'm not one of the voyeurs <laughs> on social media either who behind the veil of a avatar or the veil <laughs> of a or a pseudonym name may make a comment negative. Yeah. You know, those folks who don't operate in the sunshine. I am fully out in the sunshine. I don't have any pseudonyms. Marlon Hill, <laughs> everywhere. Who I am in social media is who I am in person as well. Always been, always, ha always have. And we'll continue to do so. I think that social media is a very important space for us to, to connect with each other, mm -hmm. right? It's, even if we can't in person, I do believe that whether through through IG or Facebook or Twitter or through podcasts, it's a great opportunity for us to kind of see each other. And, mm -hmm. and, 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 but I always say sometimes to my wife, Carla, we always talk about this, sometimes don't always believe the virtual life. You really, you really yeah. need to kind of pick up the phone sometimes. I still believe in writing thank you letters. Right. It was so, yeah. I meant to tell, thank you. That was such a cute, the little boy. you welcome. Thank you. I meant to, t <laughs> yes. Right. There needs to be some personal touch because mm -hmm. I, I think social media, it's a gift and a curse. I always commend 
people, I'm sure there's more eyes on you now. I love mm. your dancing videos, you. and you still, you still, you know, you know, that's not even nothing. <laughs> music and food, you okay. can't miss in Miami, right? So right. I've always been involved um, with music. The little known Black History Fact, Martin. You know, <laughs> if I was not a hard charging business lawyer strategist. I will probably be an international DJ, I think. Now, I didn't think you were going to say, I knew something international, but DJ. Yeah, international DJ, for sure. I was traveling the world, okay. you know, playing all types of music because, yeah, I have, a, I have an appetite for international <laughs> stuff. So the music definitely is something that's part of my creative side. Mm -hmm. I still believe that I may have a career in it. I don't know. Brit no one's going to dabble. Brit happens, always. Brit, you never Brit know. Happens. I, I, may, I may still pursue that as an alternative career because it's something that I, I really enjoy. I think it brings people together. Mm -hmm. In fact, one of the things that I, I definitely believe that South Dade and District 9 needs is to leverage the strengths of its multicultural mm -hmm. background of the people and use the music and traditions as not only an economic stimulus, but also to bring people together. You can't miss with a good collard green served with a <laughs> side of jerk chicken and with a some warm flatbread <laughs> and then with some uh, nice rice, peas and rice and what else do you want to put on it? And some See, it's warm, early. I'm already hungry. warm Mexican with bits of corn, cornbread. Wait a minute. So, okay, so wait. so what do you do on your bougie day? Oh man, my bougie day, man. <laughs> my bougie day. Sometimes you just relax, you know, enjoy a good book. Okay. You know, Carl and I, we, we we enjoy arts and culture events. We you know love okay. dancing and experiencing different cultural hotspots in Miami. There's so many things to enjoy that are here, but that's on any day. Right, just you not can do just that the bougie day. <laughs> right, I was trying. Yeah, I was, okay. Some, something with this maybe a spa day, and because you're running all around. Working like crazy, campaigning. I, love, I still love playing soccer. So I still love okay. playing a pickup game of soccer. Soccer, um, soccer. Soccer, soccer. Okay. Football. So Fo football. All right, football. Okay. football, soccer. I still enjoy a pickup game of soccer. We love supporting the arts and culture community. Mm -hmm. so whenever they're, you know, Art Basel, the art festivals, the um, food festivals. Mm -hmm. and I serve as general counsel for Miami Broward Carnival, which is oh, the okay. annual Caribbean Carnival that happens every October. That's coming up Wait, you said um, Columbus Day weekend. Miami Broward Carnival. Okay. Yeah, that comes up every for the last 35 years. The Caribbean Carnival is a big part of our culture. My family's from Jamaica. Carlos' family's from Trinidad and Tobago. You know, so Miami is a Caribbean culture. You know, we have people primarily from the Bahamas and, and from Georgia and South Carolina. But the influences of Miami, Miami is a Caribbean city with influences from Haiti and Cuba and Dominican Republic and Panama. That's really the heart of it. If you, if you look at the types of foods that we eat, when mm -hmm. you go to a Pollo Tropical, Pollo Tropical for me is like just eating a Jamaican version, but instead of red beans, it's black beans. Right. And you have the yucca boiled or fried you can have the pork and you have the flavors and the seasoning depending on the mm -hmm. country is a reflection of our passion and it's something that becomes part of our regular lives it's easy for us now to order a cafe con leche without even thinking about it even right. if you're not cuban right it's it's just a part of miami is part it? of miami right <laughs> so marlon okay i'm now i'm skipping around but it's miami spice yeah Food and music, for sure. That's how you, I mean, who doesn't like food and music? Can you tell me your favorite meal at your maybe top two 
hometown restaurants and then a restaurant that you've been wanting to try. Not that you can't, but it's Miami Spice. Oh, man. You know, my favorite time of hometown year. restaurants. Mm-hmm. Well, all right, let me take your own a little bit, right? Okay. So you must have the fried snapper at Chef Creole. Okay, right. Chef I love Creole, Chef. Okay. right? You must try the tacos at the restaurant down in Homestead. Oh, man, the name escapes me. can't remember the name right now, but there's a great Mexican restaurant down in Homestead. When the season opens, you, you got to go to Nosberry Farms. You got to get your fix on, on the cinnamon buns and, mm-hmm. and top it off with a strawberry shake. <laughs> when I go over on Miami Beach, I love to go to the restaurant um, near to Lincoln Road. They have the great chicken and waffles. Oh, Yardbird? Yardbird. Yardbird. Yardbird, yes. New restaurant I just discovered in Wynwood. You know, I just learned that Wynwood has over 60 restaurants. It's growing insane. KYU. KYU is is, is love KYU in in Wynwood. Then my aunt, she has a restaurant in Kendall called Jamrock. Okay. You get your fix of Jamaican Chinese. They have a nice um, dish called a sumen. Sumen is a version of a Chinese dish, but... Jamaicanized. What, lao mein or something? What is yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, okay. Noodles and it's okay. shrimp and pork and scallion. It's, it's, a, it's a bowl of hot, like, like it's like a pho, but it's a Jamaican pho. The glee on your face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, my favorite Jamaican dish is stew peas. Stew peas, you know, stew peas is like, it's very similar to a feijoada from Brazil. So people of um, African descent, we like stewed stuff, right? <laughs> so stew peas is a stewed red beans with pigtails or beef, and mm-hmm. it's, it has this aroma with a scotch bonnet. And it's my weakness. It's my kryptonite, um, the stew peas. So, yeah, right, because I think when we last sat down, we went to Clive. Not last, but we went to Clive. Yeah. Aww. That was, what, like two years ago? Yeah, right. But you're telling me that people should visit Jamrock. Yeah, Jamrock. Um, visit Clive's, of course, in, mm-hmm. in Little Haiti. Chef Creole in Little Haiti. Yeah. Yardbird, KYU in Winwood, and Nosberry Farm. Nosberry Farm. Yeah, it's Miami. Now we have Miami Spice and Miami Spa. You mm-hmm. can have dinner or go to the spa first, and then go to dinner after. Right. So you want to eat a, a beef patty or empanada? This is pretty That's much true. the same thing. If you want to enjoy a soul food, soul food. Every country has their own soul, soul food. food. But like you said. If you really think about it, it's all the same. Whether people say rice and it's like rice and peas and rice, rice and beans. Rice and there's these debates where it's like if you say the peas first before the rice. I'm like, <laughs> I just cares? want, I just want just the carbs. Just give me the goodness. Just give me something that tastes good. We really shouldn't be having the carbs, but you can't miss rice and beans, peas and rice. It's a staple. Empanadas, the greens. Whether you stew it down with ham hocks or you stew it down <laughs> with pigtail. The, the greens come in different ways. You have it. Some people have kale. Some people like the collard greens. Some people like the kalaloo. Okay. The, 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 the Guyanese cook it like a soup. More brothy. All right. Yeah, more brothy. But it's the same greens. Which is another reason people should perforate through these barriers. This, this is a... You know, that's our mission, mm-hmm. right? And that's our mission. And, and I'm hoping that, you know, win, lose, or draw come next year with the election, August 18th. Is going to be a big date that we need to remember. March mm-hmm. 17th is another big date where a presidential nominee, nomin- uh, the nominee that we're going to pick for president. But August 18th is a very important election day, and then November the 5th. I really want to encourage everyone to, sometimes they may ask you, what's your status, you know, <laughs> for health reasons. But but what's your voter status? Right. I mean, you should check your voter status, update your address, update your signature. Request your vote by mail Mm -hmm. because the vote by mail allows you to give more time to study up and to prepare for the election. Elections are really on the margins. 
you know, the turnout is really the key. And I've found sometimes when I'm volunteering as an election protection attorney, people just don't show up because they're just unfamiliar, they didn't do their homework. And so, like I said before, earlier on in the program, it's really all about you stepping out of your comfort zone, stepping out of your the, the pocket mm-hmm. that you're in and saying, you know what, I'm a Miamian, I'm from the 305-786, this is my city, I want to see it do better, I want it to see it progress, I have my own talents, right. I have my own resources, I have my own relationships, whether I'm elected or not, I'm going to push this city to be the best. And whenever someone talks bad about, you know, you know, sometimes New Yorkers get defensive about New York. Sometimes. All the time. All the time. Right. 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 We don't, we, we are not at that level yet. We need to get at that level of ownership Mm -hmm. of the 305 together, as opposed to owning only your part. Exactly. Right. Which is because sometimes people will be highly critical of Miami. I'm one of the people that actually do get defensive. Of course, it's, you know how you can complain with your siblings, but then if someone else talks about them, you yeah. can, that's how I am about my city. So how can you encourage certain of, I'll just say, my peers who may not, again, live in a particular district, yeah. but they themselves want to be more proactive? What can they do to support you or any other candidate that they want to without necessarily voting? Is, I always say about politics, I always say about politics, Brent, you should not be afraid of politics. Politics should be afraid of you. And what I mean by that is that you pick a team that you believe in. Mm-hmm. You pick someone that you have a relationship with that you think is in alignment with your values and support them. You know, support them. Um, it doesn't always have to be with a donation or a check. It could be with your talents, right? It could be with your relationships, right? When I helped to build a campaign for former Senator Barack Obama here in the state of Florida, I brought my best self to that campaign, and it was very challenging. And I had to bring people into a room and to talk to them about issues and get them involved and show them ways in which that they can invest in the campaign. Mm-hmm. And over time, things just built like a hurricane over warm water. And politics and elections and campaigns are like that. So for next year, 2020, I think that we have to take a time out and put the remote control down, turn off the noise, and really focus on what your role is in picking leaders. Picking leaders is one of the most quintessential, important things that you can do as a citizen, locally, as a city, or the county. Engaged citizens can push good people to pursue policies and initiatives that are in the best interest, not only of the district that they represent, but in general. I really believe that, you know, my high schools from Jamaica, the motto of the school was in Latin, ad majorem de gloriam, for the greater glory of God. The Miami Fellows Program talked about the greater good. That's my GPS always. What is the greater good? Whatever I'm thinking about getting involved with a project or someone says, Marlon, you should join this board or you should support this initiative, I'm always asking the question, how is this project or initiative going to benefit the greater good? Right. If it benefits the greater good, Mm -hmm. it's a yes. If it doesn't, then it's a I think about it. Right. A distraction. Yeah. Right? So the greater good for me is always my, it's the way in which I navigate how I get involved with things. And fair to say, to give that advice for Mm -hmm. any of your peers and the fans of Brit Happens, to think about what is the greater good of the things that you're involved with, even on your job, right? How are you, if you're going to pick something, make a decision in regards to a budget or a strategy, or you're involved with a nonprofit organization that is pursuing a particular mission, how can you advance that mission that advances the greater good? Right. And if Brit happens when that crosses, then we will, you will be at a very good place. 
excellent. Just how people strategize, and I'm happy that you brought it up, how they want their careers to be with their five or 10 year plan. I would hope people translate that into their everyday lives, which unfortunately they don't. So it's the same thing. It's important for you to have yeah. a support system and mentors, mm-hmm. right? Everyone has a vision board. You may be working in a profession or a job that may not necessarily be your passion, mm-hmm. but you do what's necessary to make the best of that job because it's a chosen career. Or you may want to switch it up. So you need a support system. You need mentors inside your job. And you need mentors outside your job. You need your own advisory board of people mm-hmm. that you can speed down and say, what do you think? You know, I'm thinking about creating this podcast to mm-hmm. share you know, the best of my world and to inspire others to do this. How does that happen, right? It doesn't just mm-hmm. happen out of thin air, right? You have to you know, call upon people who've been doing it. Right. Know, who's the best podcast person or who is the person that you admire You see them on IG or in social media and you're trying to figure out, how can I get to that person, right? In five, Mm -hmm. six degrees, you may be connected to that person to connect. I really believe in the power of relationships whereby it may not necessarily be for professional or community reasons. Mm -hmm. It could just be personal reasons, right? And I believe strongly that Miami will be at its best when these invitable barriers that are perforated Mm -hmm. are Knocked. knocked down. Right. In a, in a manner that is not self-serving for that any one particular community, but opens up op- opportunities for other communities. We know the communities that need the help mm-hmm. here in Miami-Dade County. We drive by them as right. if they don't exist. Many days, sometimes we may make a quick pit stop mm-hmm. for something that's tasty in those neighborhoods and keep on moving. Right. When in fact, there are people who live there that want the same nice things. Mm -hmm. They want tree canopy. They want programs for their kids. They want to be safe. They want to be able to have access to open a small business. They want many of these other nice things that we all aspire to, right? And and, and in the end, as county commissioner, if I can help to remove some of these invisible barriers that can address some of these shared challenges and dreams, I believe that will be a good legacy to leave during my tenure, whether I have four years or eight years, Mm -hmm. if I can leave that District 9 in a better place than I left it, I think that will be a good, outstanding legacy for me to leave. And that will not be the end of my book or the end of my journey of what I'm going to contribute because every person, irrespective of your place in life, Mm -hmm. where you live, the title, your job, your socioeconomic status, how much is in your bank account, has the ability to make a meaningful contribution to Miami-Dade County or any community for for that matter. This applies whether you live in South Carolina or you live in Rio de Janeiro. If you want to make a difference and you have your talents and you're uniquely endowed by the creator that has made us, they can do something for the greater good. Absolutely, because you even mentioned it's not only about contributions and checks. There's uh, leveraging your skill sets and encouraging others to do the same. Absolutely. So, Brownsville Middle School, Marlon. So tell me about the mock classroom. And I think, do you do this with the BME? Or no, you do this with some... So we have a relationship with Brownsville Law uh, Middle School, actually, mm-hmm. located in Brownsville in Liberty City. Our law firm, Hamilton Miller, wanted to do something transformational in partnership with a school that needed assistance in changing their culture. So I was fortunate enough to be the recipient of a BME Community Fellowship uh, grant of $10,000. 
and they said marlon we're gonna give you ten thousand dollars and one of ten other bme fellows you can do whatever you want in the community so we had adopted Brownsville middle school lots of challenges at Brownsville middle school they were an f school they issues with discipline and um, security in the historic brown sub in miami so we wanted to pick a school that needed the help mm-hmm. so the principal uh, had identified two classrooms that were this there on campus and so i said you know what i think that would be great for a legal studies program and we could build a courtroom so we just had a vision for changing those two classrooms into a courtroom so we said okay well let's I, I, she said that would be great how are you going to make this happen so i said well i had ten thousand dollars so I went to Vice Chair Dorothy, um, Dr. Dorothy Benjamin Smith-Call and shared that vision with her. And she said she loved it. She's part of her district number two. And we went to the school board and the school board said, you know, we'll support you if you guys raise half the money for the cost of the renovation. Mm-hmm. So we, d- we did a design of the courtroom and estimates and it came up to about maybe $350,000 thereabouts. So we said, okay, well, I have 10000 <laughs> <laughs> It's more than zero. Exactly. <laughs> so we partnered with the Miami Foundation, uh, partnered with the Miami Foundation, Give Miami Day, <laughs> and we raised 25000 one year. We raised an- another amount of money another year. And we said, wow, well, you know, we have about maybe 50000 now. We, right. So we were partnering with Brownsville. We were having MLK Day of Service. We would take speakers out there. And then BME Community introduced me to the Keenan Trust out of North Carolina. Okay. And the Keenan Trust said, Marlon, we really love this project. You know, we would love to support you. And out of the heavens, Keenan Trust wrote a check for $100,000. And so we put the money that we raised with $100,000 and went back to the school board and said, here's our 50. Let's roll. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they wish. They were like, they let's shot? roll, like right like, now? Like, like you're serious? this year? I was like, yeah, yeah, so tell us where to wire the monies. So <laughs> we wired the monies, and the Superintendent Carvalho and Jamie Torrance, they hired a contractor, a black African-American contractor, Messam Construction. The architect was African-American, Zamar Brown as well. So I visited the federal courthouse, the local circuit court, mm-hmm. to kind of get ideas as oh. to what we wanted in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. So it's a 21st century courtroom with cameras and a jury and box, and it has three jury deliberation rooms. Because what we're hoping is that the mock courtroom could also be rented out by law firms or bar associations, where the kids can view mock trials. Mm-hmm. And instead of the law firms spending money at, at hotels for their mock trials they can go to brownsville if they're willing to go to one of those perforated invisible barriers that right. they drive by without just getting something tasty to eat right well that's about a spurring economic development i want you to talk about it because i absolutely love that idea because a lot of times for our youth it's about exposure absolutely and, and the kids now have been exposed to you know judges and attorneys mm-hmm. and they've been a part of the law day exercises every year we do something like a mock trial or presentation and today the school is a C school. They have not improved. I, I would like to say that as one of the partners, we are helping to impact the mm-hmm. culture of the school. And for young people, it is very important for me, I, I believe, that they need to see themselves in other people. Absolutely. Whatever the profession, if they can envision themselves rather than envision all the things that they are challenged with, mm-hmm. irrespective of the community. I mean, Brownsville is in Brownsville. I don't live there, mm-hmm. but... You know, there are other Brownsville type of schools throughout the county. Right. 
right? And we have to invest more where we know these challenges are. This is something that frustrates me because we know where the challenge communities are. But people turn a blind eye. It's easier blind. just to ignore than to address the problem when it doesn't affect you. And we have, the res- we have unending mm-hmm. amounts of resources mm-hmm. here in South Florida to address these issues, right. right? We can address it through organizations like the Miami Foundation or other institutional organizations that are working towards the greater good. But we don't have to wait for those big checks to be written. Right. You can just pick a school and That's say cool. that, and this, and you're going to show up there and be a mentor. <laughs> right. You can pick a school, and what we did as a law firm is that we got other partners. Mm-hmm. You know, when we have our Emilka Day of Service, we have someone that donates the mulch, and we have a company that donates the paint, and we have a company organization that brings volunteers. It's all about connecting with each other for a bigger purpose than ourselves. Right. And I think that formula, for me, mm-hmm. I intend to use that type of formula as I have been a county commissioner. You have to convene people that have a common purpose, mm-hmm. have common challenges, and that have common dreams. Once you do that, and you put some music and some food into it. <laughs> your, your money. Okay, Marlon, lastly, to wrap up. If I came back to visit you in one year, and you're celebrating what an awesome year that you had, what would you be talking about that you achieved in that 365 days? Well, first and foremost, we're one year out. We're one year out (laughs) from this election on August 18th. So I I would certainly, when the polls close at 7 p.m. on August 18th, I would love to have the honor of serving as the next county commissioner for the next chapter of District 9. So that would be something in one year. But even more importantly, I'm hoping in one year that we can have more engaged citizens mm-hmm. and informed citizens through this campaign, right? Because we're going through a transition in leadership and through term limits, we're going to have a more spirited, engaged mm-hmm. electoral season. I think, and that's something that's bigger than my individual election. Right. So I will feel very good about a higher turnout and a more engaged electorate is going to impact the bigger races including right. all the way up to 1600 Pennsylvania. And I think that would be, I'm hoping that we can have a conversation at that time that has happened. And then if I'm the elected the county commissioner, you can be guaranteed that there will be some <laughs> good food, there will be some great music, there will be lots of dancing, and there will be what I would call a new day where we have a, a new environment of inter-community engagement, I hope will transcend beyond District 9. Will you be the DJ? I will be the DJ. Okay, well, that's obviously the most important I out of everything. Be, I will be the DJ. We, we will be taking requests, and hopefully people will step up to participate and engage in their community. I think that's what's going to happen next year. We are going to have, it's one of the most consequential elections in humankind, mm-hmm. and it's not the time to sleep. It's not the time to be apathetic. You have a role to play. If you're not a citizen, you need to apply for your citizenship if you're eligible. If you are 18 and you are in near shot of being registered to vote, this is the mm-hmm. time to step up. Don't wait for Brit to happen. Don't wait for <laughs> Brit to happen because it's just not a good look. Not in this instance. Not, it's not a good look because, you know, <laughs> here on Brit Happens, we like to stay ahead of the curve. Right. <laughs> right? We like to be proactive. We like to be proactive. <laughs> Whatever is happening in life, we, you know, we like to stay ahead of it. Thank you, Marlon. This was awesome. Very, very fun, as always. I always enjoy our conversations. Great. I know you have to get back to grinding. Great, great hanging out with you. Look forward to speaking with you again. And for all the uh, listeners out there, make sure that you are staying engaged 
engaged and being involved and doing what's best for the greater good. And how can people get in contact with you? Oh, absolutely. You can connect with me at MarlonHill.com. That's the the website for the campaign. On social media, at Marlon Hill or Marlon Hill on Twitter. The hashtag Marlon for D9. You can follow the conversation there. But I'm Googleable. Very much so. Yeah, Googleable. Yeah. Right. Can't hide. Can't hide. I'm Googleable. Just, you know, you can find me and, you know, hit me up, you know, send me a message on DM. We'd love to connect with you. Awesome. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for checking out today's episode. I'll see you next time. Don't forget to visit us at www.grithappens.com. Bye.